You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce DeRiga. I'm editor of the Chicago Catholic, and this is where we take a closer look at the newsmakers in the Chicago Catholic, the official newspaper of the Archdiocese um, of Chicago. I said Chicago like four times. Today is going to be fun for me because we have um, my colleagues on the show, Michelle Martin, our staff writer, and Karen Calloway, our photo editor, and we're going to going to be talking about stories that we covered in 2022. So welcome, Michelle and Karen. Thanks for coming on last minute. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting us. Kind of strong on yeah. them yesterday. Long time no see. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about, we kind of have a little bit of an order of stuff. Let's talk about the Ukraine, um, the war in Ukraine and kind of the, the Catholic outreach that's gone on um, in the Archdiocese this past year. We've covered it a lot. There was a, a, a stretch from February into probably July where almost every issue had something about the church in Chicago responding to the war in Ukraine, whether it was parishes collecting goods or other organizations collecting goods, hosting prayer services. Um, there is also um, a lot of outreach to St. Nicholas Cathedral, which is the Ukrainian cathedral for the St. Nicholas Eparchy, which is based here in Chicago. Plus, St. Nicholas Cathedral School took in dozens of kids who came from Ukraine with almost nothing. Karen, do you want to talk about a little bit what you saw when you visited to? Um, I mean, it was it was amazing for me to see the outpouring of help that um, was organized at several parishes um, for just being you know, a small parish, like St. Bernadette collected almost like a, a complete semi-truck full of supplies, so much so that they invited the students from Brother Rice to help load it. Um, that and, and running into all these doctors at St. Hyacinth that you're seeing now that were sorting medications that were donated to be shipped out. It was it was very inspiring and they were very humble because I didn't realize they were all doctors. They just gave me their first and last names. And I kind of was double checking spellings and found out they were all doctors. So um, the outreach was just incredible. I think at St. Hyacinth and in a lot of our parishes, the effort was led by Polish Catholics, right. um, both because hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian refugees went to Poland and needed help. So a lot of the aid went to Poland to help the refugees, but also because it's close to Ukraine. And there seemed to be a lot of um, family memory of what it was like to be in war. Um, and people had confidence sending things to Poland because a lot of our parishes have connections with priests in Poland, with family in Poland, so people knew where their goods were going. You know, it, it is, um, it was really beautiful on all, all those fronts. And I remember that first weekend after the war started, we went to, Karen Yoon and I went to um, the the cathedral, 
St. Nicholas Cathedral because Cardinal Supich participated in the liturgy. And just talking to people um, afterwards, and it w- was, it meant so much to them to have Cardinal Supich show up and show his support. So what's, what's we've tried to explain to people is the Ukrainian eparchy is, they're a part of the Roman Catholic Church, but they're a separate rite. So um, do you want to kind of <laughs> explain that, Michelle? Yes, yeah, so they're, they're a Byzantine rite, um, which means that their liturgy is in Ukrainian, and it, it doesn't quite follow the same format as a Roman Catholic Mass, but they are in full communion with the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and, you know, one of the most interesting things I covered having to do with Ukraine this year was a prayer service at St. Teresa Parish in Palatine, which was followed by a walk that was about two and a half miles to a Ukrainian Catholic church, which was tiny. And everybody was crowded into this church. And we prayed in English, we walked, we prayed in Ukrainian, or we prayed while they prayed in Ukrainian. Um, And it was a really powerful symbol of unity. And I think it was important both for the Latin Rite Catholics and for the Ukrainian Rite Catholics to feel like we were together in that moment. Oh, I agree. Faith can can do a lot of things. And, you know, you both mentioned um, St. Nicholas School and how many refugees they've taken in. And they've gotten a, a ton of support around the Archdiocese, and Big Shoulders has been raising money for them and such. And you just think about the trauma. I mean, a lot of them, some of those kids came with, Nobody. Some of them came with um, aunts, uncles, or maybe grandma, or you know, and they come with not just the need for housing and maybe clothing and schooling, but a mental um, help. You know, they need. Uh, they've been through trauma. They've seen things that you know. I hope I never have to see in my lifetime. You know, and they've um, the school's really been trying to to. And that's what's neat about, I think, Catholic schools in general, that they treat, we we look at the whole person and the whole family and not just the um, the kid in the seat, you know. Well, I, re- I remember speaking with the principal, Anna Cirilli, at St. Nicholas, and she said one of the reasons they've had so many kids come there is because people in Ukraine know about St. Nicholas Cathedral School. That's so neat. They know there's this school in Chicago where, you know, most of the teachers and most of the students speak Ukrainian, so a student arriving will not be lost on their first day. That's super cool. Okay, so let's go to the next big. Yeah, I want to say too, with that, the um, it was at all the events that we've covered there. It was so nice seeing so much other media um, there to support them, and they're very, very thankful of that. That. Um, the other TV stations and everything showed up to bring attention to what they're doing. And, and, um, it was, it's very, it was very moving. Just everything they had there was just packed with media. And to give you a shout out to those watching on YouTube, you can see the photos that, um, Karen took on all these events, but you in those listening on the radio, you can still give if you, if you Google, uh, St. Ukrainian. Yeah. St. Nicholas Ukrainian Catholic school, they have a donate button and then you can give to support the kids in Ukraine. And I think you can still do it on big shoulders, but don't quote me on that. 
So let's go to the Synod. We don't have any photos to show you on YouTube, but um, it's a big deal. So <coughs> it's the Pope Francis uh, announced the Synod on Synodality, which keeps kind of getting bumped back because it's a global effort that re revolves around lots and lots of surveys and uh, lots and lots of input. So, Michelle, we've both done stories. Do you want to kind of give an over overview? Um, yeah, I mean, the synod and synodality is is going forward, and there will be um, uh, the bishop, the synod of bishops will meet this year in October, and also the following year in October, because the idea of the synod and synodality is that we walk together. So dioceses around the world last year, um, from the end of 2021 into 2022 held listening sessions with you know, all sorts of people in the church, people who are not necessarily Catholic in their dioceses. They were, they were supposed to make an effort to reach out to the margins, to reach out to people whose voices are not normally heard. And it's, it's not like it's a vote of this is what the church should do. It's we all listen to the Holy Spirit together because the Holy Spirit is active with all of us. Um, and then reports from those sessions were compiled by country, and then you know they're they're being compiled by continent, and now there are continental synod meetings going on. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about one of the most interesting um, synod efforts that I covered, which was Pope Francis held a virtual meeting with university students from the Americas that was hosted by Loyola University here in Chicago. Um, so people from Loyola University worked with universities um, you know, from Canada and Central America and South America and put together groups of students who met virtually and worked on different issues. And then those students had representatives who spoke to the Pope you know, directly uh, via basically Zoom. And you know, it, was, it was a great idea. And then towards the end of the year, DePaul University hosted a similar meeting with students from Africa. Yeah, it's been really neat. I mean, the Pope really makes himself available, especially to young people, which we know makes a difference in, um, in everything. Sorry, I'm going back. We, we, make, we made kind of a list before we started, and I'm trying to think we're going to – we have to take a break here soon what we can start talking about. Let's start talking about shifting to something sad. The Highland Park shootings. Uh, right after that happened, there was a mass. Cardinal Super celebrated a mass up in Highland Park, Immaculate Conception, mm -hmm. right? And you both went up there to cover it, and really it's at, at the grieving moment. And then we've covered some other things um, since then. But you guys want to talk about your impression that first night and what you saw and kind of the mood. The the. Well, the shooting itself um, took place on the 4th of July, which was a Monday. I was actually in the office that day because we were going to press the next day. And I started seeing things coming over Twitter about you know, something going on in Highland Park. And as I'm, as I'm watching the news change, you know, it was, I was just I was horrified, um, as I'm sure everybody else was. The mass was Tuesday, um, the day after, and the church was absolutely packed. It was standing room only. Um, I believe that parish lost at least two parishioners in the shooting. It was a brand new, newly united parish of Immaculate Conception, which is in Highland Park, only about maybe 10 minutes from the site of the shooting. 
in St. James in Highwood, which is next door. The pastor was brand new. He had started three days before. He was sitting on a float, getting ready to turn on the parade route when the shooting happened. And they ended up parking the float in the church parking lot and had several people from the church taking shelter in the church for that whole afternoon, just praying the rosary. And the message of that mass was that we all had to come together, we all had to pray, we all had to support each other. And it came after, you know, it was only six weeks after the Uvalde shooting at Robb Elementary School in Texas, which was only, you know, a few days after the shooting in Buffalo. And it, it just seemed like these were happening over and over and over again. And the message of that mass was that you know, we need to support each other. We need to support everybody. And Karen, you took some photos. Go ahead. Yeah, I think they did that too. I mean, the I was so moved by Father Hernan, pastor at Immaculate Conception. And I mean, he was just there for his people and his parishioners as well as outside for, um, I mean, and Joyce and I went to, um, he held the listening sessions besides uh, the memorials being so sad and um, constantly packed with people showing up. I think I visited them like three times around photographing things at Immaculate Conception and St. James and Highwood. Um, but, um, the listening sessions where I think was it maybe a, a 10 or 12 priests showed up from the archdiocese and some Joyce, too. Yeah, some yeah, to just let people come and, and talk or pray or get a blessing, whatever they needed. And, um, it was, it was really something to see. And I interviewed one of the women who, one woman who was, as Michelle mentioned, was took refuge in the church that day. And she'd mentioned about it being a brand new parish. So they were like baptism by fire, mm -hmm. you know, and father said the same thing. He said, usually it takes, you know, six months to a year to kind of get to know your, you, your parish. And he's like, within two weeks, we were like bonded, you know, because of, of the traumatic situation. And I also talked to a woman there. And this is where, like, the spiritual is so, so um, interesting and deep because she said she was a friend of Father Hernan's and she came up from his previous parish to the listening session. And she said that he mentioned at that mass or shortly afterwards that he forgives mm -hmm. the shooter. And she, she's been wrestling with that, that, you know, he's a, he's a bad person, you know, blah, 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 you know, what, you would, what we all would normally say. And she said it, it really took her down a path of of delving into what is mercy and what does that mean and and um it was a whole spiritual journey for her that um shows that you know your faith and the church has an important role to play in moments like this um of such tragedy so hopefully we won't have to live through that again okay we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about the year in review with Michelle Martin and Karen Calloway. Don't go away.
Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce Duriga. I'm editor of the Chicago Catholic. Today I have my two colleagues with me, Michelle Martin and Karen Calloway. We're talking about the year in review in 2022. Before we start our keep going on the year in review, I just want to pitch the newspaper because that's why we're here. And the if you go to chicagocatholic.com, you can follow us and uh, see what the news is going on right now. we got a lot of coverage on Pope Benedict's um, passing and then we'll have the funeral um, which when this airs the funeral already taken place so we'll have coverage about that and the thoughts of Cardinal Supich on Pope Benedict and uh, a lot more you can also sign up for our free e-newsletter that goes out about three times a week and follow us on social media okay so two things we were talking about that we cover mostly every year but, but is are super important we got saint sabina they do these peace walks in the summer unfortunately they have to do them hopefully someday it'll get to the point where they don't have to so um karen why don't you start with um what the sabina um, peace walks are and your thoughts yeah father flaker has a uh, kind of a peace uh, start of the summer safe summer for students in school or children in the city of Chicago in general, and they started out with a big rally and walk in front of the church that they continue on Friday nights throughout the summer. Um, It's always packed. A lot of people come and support from different parishes. Um, It it seems to be growing, and I I just think it's so important that they do this. there's so many besides the the um um i forget the organization of moms Um, that come out of that have lost purpose over pain yeah yeah purpose over pain um the the moms that have lost children to gun violence um it it seems like they have a lot of outreach for dealing with um you know the effects of the violence in their neighborhood too which is it's amazing. Um, the people we've met, uh, Michelle and I have gone and covered, and I think Joyce, you have too, have have been just amazing, dedicated people to try to make a change with things. 
And um, one of those pitchers there, I, I remember they, they had asked if any, who has lost somebody to gun violence and just about everyone there lifted their hands. So um, I thought it was important to talk about because it's something ongoing that they do all the time and um, continue to do every year as and not just for the summer. Um, they have things going on all the time to join them in their fight against uh, gun violence in the neighborhood. One of the things that um, if you, if you talk with Father Flager about it is he will say that every church, every parish should be doing this. It shouldn't just be one and it should be all the time every week. Because it affects us all and it really does. And, and, you know, that's one of the things I've been here 15 years and, and, you know, this job takes us to all different parts of the archdiocese and neighborhoods that people, I mean, it's Auburn Gresham. People might not want to go there, but it's important because you put a face to this stuff and you see that these are your neighbors and it, it doesn't just affect them. It, it affects all of us in, in every different way. And we're all a community. And, you know, if we, if we really believe that we're a community of God, then we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, I agree. I think it's a what they've got going on at St. Sabina's good stuff. And then um, that please, if anybody can go, they usually do it on the first after school's out the first week of the summer. You'll see it on TV and then they'll do it on the Friday nights and then they walk around the neighborhood. Um, so we also something we always often cover is are the indigent burials. I think this is one of the coolest things that the church does is bury the people who um, either are unidentified or whose families can't afford to pay for their funerals. And then we also uh, bury the children who um, died in uh, childbirth. So I don't know which one of you wants to start. So there's a section of uh, Mount Olivet Cemetery down near, um, not Mount Green, but Beverly. Yeah. Down near Beverly that the archdiocese put aside a, a few years ago where the indigent are buried in um there's always a ceremony there's always graveside ceremony and then there is uh the, the funeral directors donate their time they go pick up the caskets at the cook county morgue and bring them to the um the cemetery it's very moving and one of the things that's been happening for the past several years is that area Catholic high schools have been bringing students who volunteer to come just to be present and to pray for the deceased. Um, you know, for some of them, it might be one of the first funerals they've ever been to if, if they haven't lost anybody in their family. Um, but they're encouraged to, you know, as they're praying to put a hand on the casket to try to feel a connection to the people who have died. And yeah, I've spoken to some of the students who participated, and they say that they they want the people who passed to know that there is somebody there praying for them, and they want everybody who dies to have somebody to pray for them. And I, you know, I it's really hard to overstate how important it is to help everybody understand that we are all connected. Just like you said before, we are all brothers and sisters, so we all should be praying for each other. Karen, your thoughts? You- it seems to be a, a it seems to be a collaborative effort too, which is nice between the Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries and 
the um, funeral directors in Chicago that donate a limo and um, a limo and um, and they actually they stay the whole time until you know the deceased person is buried and make sure that everything you know isn't goes well and is very handled in a very dignified way. So I'm always super impressed by that. And as always, you know the uh, the news usually reports on it kind of in advance to let them know it's sometimes. But anybody can go to these services and, and participate. And a shameless plug, because I love Father Tolton. Mama Tol- Martha Tolton is also buried in that cemetery, so you can stop by and visit her and his sister on your way out. Okay, on a little bit of happier note, pet blessings. This is Karen's annual favorite thing to do. She goes to, like, a ton of them. I have to go. Have it's every, to go. it's everybody's favorite it's, story. That's true. Yeah, it is everybody's it's favorite story. I must do. But this um, year this was year a was guinea really, pig. Yeah. Yes. This year was really fun because um, the um, school called from um, Lori Capone, the teacher from St. Walter, called and said, I know you go to a lot of pet blessings, but we have this kind of a thing, blessing that we do every year with our class guinea pig. And I go, and she goes, I know that you're probably busy and this is just one little thing, but I go, are you kidding me? That's awesome. So all the kids come out and they get to learn, you know, about what a blessing is for in general or for an animal. They all were asked to bring a picture of their pet or uh, one of their favorite stuffed animals. And Father Dennis Lyle, um, he, he blessed all their little stuffed animals and the guinea pig so um so that was it was just really fun i i love going to pet blessings because they're so unpredictable you never know what's going to happen and um i have five dogs myself so obviously i'm a little bit you know partial to it but um it's just always really fun it's a really happy day and um always always going to make for a great picture something's going to happen with something so karen um, can i ask you a question yes have you ever been at a pet blessing and had an animal escape yeah good question um not really escape i mean there's been you could talk to some priests i won't say who they are but they said they might have gotten nipped doing something so there are a couple a little bit afraid to get really close um but usually it's, I mean, pets, like, I don't know, I've seen a couple of connections <laughs> between a couple of Shih Tzus happening, and um, it's it's just really fun. It's just really fun. I love to do it. Didn't your dog Okami pee on the altar at Holy Name when we went to that outdoor pet blessing? Wasn't that Okami? He might have done that. I don't remember. They... Holy name, the cathedral has an outdoor mass and a blessing. So um that's there's there's always a lot of lot of animals at that as well. But yeah, mine have absolutely no manners whatsoever. So I might have took them one year and if you remember that, I'm sure it happened. I probably base it out of my memory. You've probably blocked it out. Yes. Yes. I think it was after mass was over and he just kinda walked over and lifted his leg. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's mostly dogs, but people bring cats and birds and, and the rest. 
Okay. So the best I ever saw was a was a goldfish in a giant goldfish bowl. This little like tiny kid was carrying it. it was it was super cute. Okay, so we're almost out of time. I we got to wrap up, but um, I appreciate you guys coming on. We, while trying to do this more often, where we kind of just take a look at some of the stories that we covered and and share some of our thoughts that you know don't always make it into the the paper, but um, are fun to share. All right, so that you've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm Joyce Drigger from Chicago Catholic. Visit us online at chicagocatholic.com. And until next time, have a gentle and joy-filled day. See you. Bye bye. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.